It is smart dribble time today, John. No, it's not, Kurt. Well, it is, but it's also final smart dribble. But not because this is the last smart dribble, but we are going to play our own rendition of final Jeopardy, Kurt, which I I predict predict will be a, a humbling episode. So you and I were recently talking about Jeopardy. I don't really watch it very much anymore. But by the way, I think you should have thrown your hat in the ring to be the replacement host for Alex Trebek. That would be a very good thing for you to do. You know what's really interesting, John? You're not the first person to say that. I've had so many people saying that that was my destiny. Well, I don't know if it was your destiny, but I think it's a good fit for, I mean, between your blue eyes, your pleasant looks, your affable personality, your verbal communication skills, and your interest in a broad range of topics. You're a bit of a modern day renaissance man, but but apparently I was not the only person to notice that. In any event, we were talking about Jeopardy and we came across 40 final Jeopardy questions, which is why I said final smart dribble, but I don't mean final smart dribble. And these are 40 questions that none, zero of the contestants got right, which is kind of a bummer of a way to end the game. So you and I are going to humble each other by going through some of those questions. How do you feel about that? I am ready to go. Now, as since you started the episode by, I guess you weren't humming the music. What were you doing? Mimicking the music? Singing Singing the the music. That's the word, singing. Now, our sound guy uh, is off this week. So plus, we don't want to pay a licensing fee to Jeopardy. So you're going to have to do that again during the course of this episode. So are you ready? Are you ready? Yep. I'm not going to ask you how much money you're going to wager because that's not part of the final. All of it, John. All right. So I'm going to pick questions in particular that I think you've got a decent chance to answer. And that is not to raise the bar and increase your disappointment if you don't. But I want you to have a fair chance. I hope you'll reciprocate when you pick out my questions. Yes. True or false. This is not the question. You lived in Japan. True. Exactly. So the topic is medieval Asia. You did not live there during medieval times. Here's the clue, Kurt. I do think you've got an excellent chance of getting this. Okay. Hint, the answer is not what is sushi. Okay. So here's the clue. Are you ready? Yeah. Though it means, quote, one who serves in medieval Japan, it was a property holder who received rent from serfs. I'll read that again. Though it means, quote, one who serves in medieval Japan, it was a property holder who received rent from serfs. I have only one guess and one guess only because it popped into my head and I have nothing else. So I will say, what are samurai? Okay. Do you promise me that you didn't look at these questions? I promise you. Did you consider geisha or shogun? No. The only thing I could think of was samurai. The answer is, what is samurai? Yes. (laughs) So you did better than any of the contestants did in Final Jeopardy. Excellent. That's why I guess I did think you'd have a fighter's a puncher's chance. Is that the term? A puncher's chance? A fighter's chance. Yes. I and by the way, one of the reasons it popped into my head is somewhere in the back of my nether brain region, I had known that samurai were not like the 
fighters we thought they were. And there was something else to do with them. And I knew they were medieval. It was that or ninja, but I didn't think it was ninja. The nether region <laughs> of what do you say? Is of the, my brain. Yeah, there's probably hair on that part of your brain. The Neanderthals were a hairy people. All right. I'm going to return the favor for you, John. What is baseball? The category is literary characters. Were you not an English major? I was, but I'm about to reveal and prove that I didn't do a lot of the required reading. And remember to, to frame the answer in a form of a question. Dostoevsky wrote that this title man in an earlier European novel is, quote, beautiful only because he is ridiculous. Dos Chai Dostoevsky. He's Russian. Yeah. Dostoevsky, yes. Yeah. And he wrote about this particular man who was ridiculous. No, no. He wrote, Dostoevsky wrote that this title man in an earlier European novel is beautiful only because he is ridiculous. That's going to rule out Jane Eyre because you said man. And I believe that she was an author, (laughs) but I always get that confused. She was not an author. She was a character. She was a book. Yes. All right. We need an answer from you. Time is up. I can't answer until you give me music. Do, 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 do. You're done. Hello. Need an answer. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking and. While I was an English major, I will point out that I was an English major a very long time ago. So I'm going to have to come up with a crazy guess. And I'm going to go with who is the ridiculous man? The answer is Don Quixote. He was a ridiculous man. I thought you were going to get that. I really did. I had a Russian thing going on in my brain there. I wasn't thinking Spanish. That's why I tried to reword it for you to say it's... Don't reword it. But then you came up with Jane Eyre, which was British. Well, I was moving west in Europe. You just didn't let me finish my journey. Okay. All right. All right. Here's the category. I picked out this category for you. Okay. The category is modern words. Oh, boy. In 1994, Wired Magazine described this four-letter word as an idea leaping, quote, from mind to mind as viruses leap from body to body. 1994, Wired Magazine, four-letter word that describes leaping from mind to mind as viruses leap from body to body. What is a meme? That is correct. Really? (laughs) You're now making me wonder if you looked at the answers, Kurt. I did not, I swear. I'm just taking guesses. I happen to be good at Jeopardy. Yeah, I may not have a Jeopardy mind, even though I'd like to think I would. So I'm afraid I'm going to get none of my questions right. And you'll get all of yours right. And that I will focus on you getting them all right. And I'll be happy for you. Okay. The category is logos. You've been a businessman who's very involved with logos your whole life. Have you not? True. Sort of. Yes. I've also been a consumer my entire life. But I think you then, therefore, I think you'll get this one. Here's the clue, John, for Final Jeopardy. After 9-11, designer Milton Glaser modified this iconic logo of his, adding a bruise and the words, quote, more than ever. A bruise. So New York, Apple, apples are bruised. So it could have something to do with, you know, the big apple, but that's not, was it, you're saying it's an expression? It's a logo, John. Oh, a logo. So it is called the big apple, but is that a logo? Oh, no, no. How about I heart New York? I love New York. 
What is I love New York? What is I heart New York or I love New York? You are correct. You almost didn't do it in the form of a question and your time almost ran out. Do you want to know that I had a little bit of a help with that answer in a completely bizarre way that would have completely unplanned, bizarre way? You looked it it up on your computer? It may have. No, I said a bizarre way. So just cheating is not bizarre. In fact, I'm sure it's quite normal. I asked you a question, the Wired Magazine meme article, meme answer, and it gives me the answers of what the three contestants guessed wrong. And in response to the meme question, someone wrote, what is cool? Someone wrote, what is yike? And someone wrote, what is I heart New York? Now, none of those answers make a lot of sense, but I guess they were pressed to write something down. So that's incredible that a, what year was your question? The, the logo question. I don't know. It was after 9-11, right? Yes, it was after 9-11 and it's implied in the question. Do yeah. you not have this in front of you, Kurt? 2021, John, March 31st. Okay. So in February of 2018 was the meme. So three years earlier, someone answered incorrectly the correct question to what you just said. How about that? How that, about that, Kurt? You know, some of the simplest logos are the most endearing, right? I heart New York. So simple, still working. What about the guy who just did the yellow smiley face. Unbelievable. I just read an article about how much that business generates in licensing revenues, like a $500 million business. What's also interesting is sort of how it's morphed over time in terms of not the logo itself, but which groups affiliated and what it actually communicates. And of course, the whole emoticons thing with smiley faces certainly gave that a big refresh. A Who would have predicted that when that was designed back in the 70s? Not you, Kurt. Going to give you another one that I would think you'd know the answer to. Oh, boy. And as evidenced by this, I, I knew the answer. So 19th century Americans, you fashion yourself a bit of a history buff, eh? A. Kind of a family trait. A. On July 10th, 1804, he wrote a letter of goodbye just in case to, quote, my dearest Theodosia, even though he went on to live until 1836. Would you like to do some Jeopardy music? Do, 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 do. So I pretty much think I know this. Until you gave me the, until he lived until 1836, I was going to say, who is Alexander Hamilton? Because I do know that that's the date of the duel. So I will instead say, who is Aaron Burr? So that is correct. And the reason that I thought you would have gotten that, even without the, I could see the Hamilton confusion. There is a song in Hamilton the musical Dear Theodosia, which is sung by Aaron Burr. Ah, I forgot that. Okay, well, you reasoned your way to it. And the reason I mentioned he lived until 1836 is it's part of the question. It was part of the clue. So it seemed only fair I'd give you all of the information. Thank you. So I'd like Uh, to point out in a great moment for you, despite the fact that none of the Jeopardy contestants, none of them got these final Jeopardy questions right, you are now three for three. Perhaps well, I will I, stop handpicking categories of your liking, but I don't think that really takes away from your extraordinary accomplishment here. I don't know if it's extraordinary accomplishment or I just know a lot of random shit that doesn't help me in life. I need to train my Jeopardy brain. I haven't watched Jeopardy in a long time, but okay, ask me a question, Kurt. You know what's Dear kind of Theodosia. Like, it's kind of like doing the New York Times crossword. You know, if you get out of sync of doing it, once you get in sync, it becomes yeah. easier. So Theodosia, if I remember correctly, was not Aaron Burr's wife at the time. She was 
It was a woman he had a relationship. I think she was like married to a British soldier or British general or something, if I remember from the song. And her sister moved to Africa and got named a country after her, which then became Zimbabwe. Okay, you just got three for three and you demonstrated what an intelligent person you are. And then you say something like that. <sighs> Rhodesia sounded like Theodesia. So, and that um, was actually not after a sister, but after right. Cecil B. Rhodes. In any event, that was um, Dear Theodosia. And who did the Rhodes Scholar, by the you way? You know what's interesting is a lot of what I know, and probably a lot of other people know about the story of Alexander Hamilton and the people he cavorted with, comes from that play, which I assume is historically accurate because it was, you know, in, it was basically drawn from the biography of Hamilton. But you never really know. But that's the stuff that shapes our perception of history. And just like we once talked about Paul Revere gets all the credit for the midnight ride, even though he was like one of four or five riders, because there was a poem a hundred years later that memorialized the night, you know, the ride of Paul Revere. And so it goes. It's kind of yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. You know, by the way, Hamilton's son died at the same spot in Weehawk in, in a duel defending his father's honor like 10 years before. That is correct. In fact, that is okay. Um, that is in the We're play as well. Stick with this century that you started, John. Okay. And the category is 19th century America. 19th century America. Here is the clue. Two-word term for the statement saying U.S. policy is, quote, to leave the parties to themselves in the hope other powers will do the same. Okay, so this is another weird one. I believe I know the answer. And I know the answer because I was discussing with a colleague last night a document that we were writing, and he had chosen the word doctrine. And that's not a word that comes up in conversation a lot. But I said, you know what? Whenever I hear the word doctrine, the first thing I think of is the Monroe Doctrine. Which that is was, correct. John. I haven't yet formed. I'm not done. I haven't formed it in a question yet. What is the Monroe Doctrine, which I think was written in 1823 and described a, a foreign policy of isolationism for the United States? Yes, it was not really isolation. It, it is. We were not going to get involved in a bunch of other countries' stuff. Unless those countries came into our hemisphere and then we'd bomb them or beat the in, crap. In which case it would then become sort of our business. But I'm with you. In any event, the what is the Monroe Doctrine? My confidence is surging. Good for you. Are this you ready for your next stuff. one, Kurt? Yes, I like this. All right. I'm going to pick, okay, I'm going to pick world literature. Okay. Because you were an English major as well, correct? Please confirm. Correct. Okay. In a recent poll uh -oh. of 125 authors, this 1870s novel about a woman ranked as the greatest work of fiction of all time. What? You want to read that again? Yeah. I will give you a hint. It is not Jane Eyre. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. All right, I'll read it again. In a recent poll of 125 authors, this long 1870s novel about a woman ranked as the greatest work of fiction of all time could be Jane Eyre. So you gave it away. You didn't, you left out a key word the first time you read it. Long? Yes. You think I skipped that over? Or you think you yes, missed that? For sure. The answer is Anna Karenina. Who is Anna Karenina? You're correct. I shouldn't have ruled taken. It's not Jane Eyre because believe it or not, of the three 
contestants, one of them said, what is Jane Eyre? I don't know why they don't say who is because it's a person, not a thing. But the book is. Right. The other, that's a good point. But it said, I guess that's a very fair point and probably even dispositive. The other guesses was, what is the scarlet letter? And someone also said, what is Emma? Along with what is Jane Eyre? The answer that you got, continuing your perfect march through final jeopardy fame is who is Anna Karenina? Yeah, well, the operative word was long that helped me. Made that point. And I'm going to have to know what I'm not going to go back and look at what was said, but our listeners will know that I either can't read or you can't listen. And I don't know how it's going to go down, but I have to to admit to all of our listeners that I've never read it, but it is considered incredible. I've never read any of, of Tolstoy's works. Okay. I don't think I have. Didn't you write War and Peace? That's a big one. Yeah. I didn't read that either. Or is it Dostoevsky? Either? Maybe I, mean, I don't Dostoevsky. think I did either. Could have been Dostoevsky. Okay. You consider yourself a music buff. Do you not, John? I, I'm, I don't know, actually. Is there a stage down from buff that I could yeah. subscribe? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you consider yourself a music sandpaper, correct? Um, that's the opposite of buff. I was looking just to take it down a notch, but oh. you went into the opposite. Here's oh, the I thing. Can... Perhaps I'm a bit of a music chamois. Okay. So chamois cloth. which you spell C-H-A-M-O-I-S. And we used to have those chamois cloth shirts in the early 80s. I don't think I had one of those, but I'm very happy. I one in red and one in green. Okay. The category is classic albums. All right. Here is your clue, John. And remember, please frame your answer to question. This classic album by a Southern rocker gets its title from a Civil War quote by a Union Admiral. Hmm. I am, uh, I, I'm feeling a strong Leonard Skinnerd when you say Southern. And I want to say something like Sweet Home Alabama. However, I don't know if that was the name of that album or not, but that's the kind of thing I could see. But did you say Admiral? This classic album by a Southern rocker gets its title from a Civil War quote by a Union Admiral. I saw an admiral. So that makes me think it was uh, on the water. So it's like a boat thing. I think the only battle I know from the Civil War, you know, other than the Monitor and the Merrimack and stuff like that, was that in the Civil War? But that wasn't in the South. So there was the, was it Farragut at Mobile Bay? What's so funny? It's a quote by a Union Admiral. It doesn't have to be during a battle. Maybe I thought you said Civil War. I did. This classic album by a Southern rocker. Okay, gets I got it. I got title. enough information now. Where, where I was going. I know of one Southern water battle in the entire friggin' war. And it was Mobile Bay where I think it was Admiral Farragut said, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. That being said, I have no earthly recollection of an album by that name, but that's all I can think of. So I will say, what is damn the torpedoes full speed ahead? That's correct, John. <laughs> You're kidding. But Not who, full speed ahead, but damn the torpedoes. But who, what album was that? Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I've never heard of this album, have you? Me neither. But have I've heard of the it? battle. I hadn't even heard of the battle. And uh, when you said Tom, Admiral, that was pretty much the only thing I knew. I would have said, you know, uh, I've not yet begun to fight, but that's Revolutionary War, John Paul Jones. Or as we've talked about multiple times, Horatio Nelson, who gave us the expression, turn a blind eye. Yeah, he seems to come up in pretty much every episode now. So, Kurt, looking at the clock, we have time to ask each other 
one more question. Okay. Possibly, possibly one and a half questions, but I can see okay. how that would be problematic. So I'm going to ask you a question, eh? Yeah. All right. Let me pick a category you are going to have success with. Huh? Would you rather have British authors or, or you love presidential history as well? Would you Johnny, rather have I'm a British Jeopardy, history? I don't get a choice. And I'm going to go with neither. Historic ships. Oh, Ready? Boy. Yeah. Here's the clue. 215 passengers were rescued when it sunk in July of 1918, about 500 fewer than it had rescued six years earlier. Oh, boy. So my I would have gotten this one because one of my kids, I won't tell you why until after. Again, only one thing pops into my head because this ship got sunk during World War One and it was passengers on there. And that helped us get into the war. I will say. What is the Lusitania? That would make you pretty much like Michael Riggs, who the contestant, when this question was asked on July 26, 2019, said, what is the Lusitania? And since they all got it wrong, you now know it was not that. Someone also guessed the Doria Gray and someone guessed the Britannia. One of my kids was completely fascinated by Titanic. And we did a lot of learning about the Titanic. And it was the Carpathia who came to the Titanic's rescue only six years later to also sink. So oh my. anyway, it was, what is the Carpathia? And I now feel bad for not picking presidential election years. You have done an excellent job. Maybe we'll have time to ask you one more after you ask me one. The category is on the old map, on the UN website's map of the world in 1945. Oh, boy. These two initials of a member state appear 13 times on continental Africa. Well, certainly the British had a lot going on in Africa during those days. Okay. In fact, that was a big part of your using your malaria diagnosis to drink gin and tonics as part of India, India, not Africa. Didn't they have a strong play in Africa too? I'm not going to answer that, but the malaria thing was about India. But I went to Africa and I had to take anti-malaria pills. So they have malaria in Africa too, right? In fact, it's kind of a big deal. In fact, more people die, unfortunately, from mosquito bites than do from like rhinoceroses in Africa. Okay. What's your answer? Because you already ran out of time. I have to provide initials? Yeah. On the UN website's map of the world in 1945. All right. I'm going to go. What is initials of a member state appear 13 times on continental I'm just going to say, what is... B.E. for British Empire. You don't want to go with the Netherlands at all, who did so many? No, I want to go with the, uh, the British Empire. Sorry, you're so close. The correct answer is, what is U.K.? Well, I was going to go with that, too, but, I, I, went, but I, I got the gist of it. I didn't get the letters right. One of the people got it wrong. Paula Spence said, what is G.B.? and got it wrong. Okay, I, like, I didn't know back then what they were calling themselves because of the you know, whales and stuff like that. I had the right party, the wrong initials. So I will accept the fact that I got it wrong, even though my thought process was correct. Brilliant. And bringing in malaria was smart too. See, you took something from a previous smart dribble and added it in. All right. That's, we like to do these callbacks. It would be even better if we could tell our listeners what episodes right. we're going to go out on an up. So we're going to ask each other quickly. No, no, no. I have to ask. Uh, okay. This is it. Cause we really do need to wrap up. All right. I'm ready. You want me to ask you another question? Yeah. All right. Presidential election years. Prior to 2016, 
It was the last election in which the winning candidate had never held public elective office. Public oh, elected. Say this again. Okay, I will. Prior to 2016, it, a year, was the last election year in which the winning candidate had never held public elected office. 1952, Dwight David Eisenhower. What is, Who is Dwight David Eisenhower, 1952? Uh, I need the year. So what is, what what is 1952? We figured it out. That's correct. Congratulations. Others guessed 1836, 1956, and 1868. But it was indeed Eisenhower. All right. We're going to go out on a high for you, like you did, I did for me. Category, music legends. Thank you, because I am not a buff. Of their July 1957 first meeting at a church fair, one of this pair recalled, I was a fat schoolboy and he was drunk. Oh, I do know the answer. I do know the answer. And I'm also going to be able to do an episode callback because one of my favorite episodes we did was an episode called Who Is She? And we told the backstory of a bunch of really famous songs that are basically a woman's name. And when we were telling the story of Eleanor Rigby, which was John Lennon and Paul McCartney, it tells the story that at a church party where they met in the 50s, there was a headstone for Eleanor Rigby, despite the fact that Paul McCartney later claimed that's not where they got the inspiration from, but that seems kind of facocked. But they met at a church. So I'm going to go with John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Who is, who are John Lennon and Paul McCartney? That is correct. And what's interesting, your thinking is so smart. The people here who got it wrong all said the same thing. And they obviously were not listening to the question. They all said Simon and Garfunkel. And did they not hear at a church fair? Simon and Garfunkel met because Simon heard Garfunkel singing at his bar mitzvah so beautifully in his tenor that he said, I got to start a group with this guy. But maybe it was a reference to their physical descriptions since they were physically mismatched. I agree. They but missed an important. Art Garfunkel was skinny as heck. And I know, but I just, they were very physically different. Any, I'm just trying to make, people didn't know. So they came up with a duo that, I would it's interesting that they all John said the Lennon same thing Paul though. McCartney. Well, you would have been correct. All right, listen, I think this was fun. Yeah. And you got to really show off your big brain. As did you. I don't know about that. Anyway, Kurt and I will be back next week with another episode of Smart Drivel. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Drivel. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.